0: This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Men, we talk football. Meat burgers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson, Ben Watts, here with you on a wonderful and rainy. What what is today, Ben? What what is, is, it, raining is it Monday? For you? It's raining it's Monday. down here. Yeah. It's it's dying. It's, it's you're lots you're of more rain. up there. I am up. You're down. I look down you at are you. North of you me. look up at me. It's it is it is not raining where I'm at. The sun is shining. Well that's nice. Um fun episode today we've got a dynasty themed episode we got some q a from you all from dynasty instagram we got uh some news how you doing ben you you enjoying the fact that we're on a dynasty episode today
0: it's my it's my favorite episode that's what our that's where our little niche is it's what our page is geared
1: toward it's my favorite way to play fantasy football dynasty is is quite fun and uh you know, this is the time of year when you're kind of filling out your roster. You're staring at it way too much, making mistakes, shooting off trades. You probably shouldn't be. It's it's a fun this time. This is
0: the time of year where most people think they're a contender. Yep. Everybody thinks they've got a shot right now. Got some news for you. You
1: don't. <laughs> you basically. So uh, who has shots right now? Oh, me.
0: just just you i have i have jamar chase what
1: more do i need (laughs) Uh, we've got some news for you before we hop into some dynasty q a and some some kind of our general thoughts about dynasty and how we approach the whole format but before we hop in all that
0: it's
1: yeah exactly but uh, so, cornerback for the Green Bay Packers, Jair Alexander, was given the bag, signed a four-year, eighty-four million dollar extension with the Packers, and he's now the highest-paid w- corner in football. I, I would take that contract. I I would take that as well. That would be pretty nice. I would not. not
0: I would not be here right now talking to you if someone gave me yeah. that amount of money.
1: Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't. You just wouldn't go to work tomorrow. Oh no, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance yeah we've already d- discovered that just for a six figure salary you would do questionable things lord knows what you would do for I'd, I'd go Jayar past Alexander questionable salary.
0: things for this
1: <laughs> you would do just about anything
0: I would be wanted everywhere <laughs>
1: uh, Inter- Interpol would be all
0: over you they wouldn't be able to catch me I'd have too much money yeah <laughs>
1: I would hire my own personal army. (laughs) So it just remains to be seen what Jair Alexander does with all his money because uh, he could hire a personal army as well. I wouldn't blame him. That's what he should do. Uh, Jarvis Landry signed a deal with the New Orleans Saints. Kind of fouls up. The wide receiver room, at least for fantasy, I think it's a great football move. For me, it leaves a little bit of question marks into the whole, like before Jarvis Landry was there, it was Michael Thomas and it was Chris Olave and Marquez Calloway was like a super, you know, dart throw. Now Landry and Olave, I feel like, will kind of cannibalize each other's fantasy value a little bit. Michael Thomas, I still feel like, is going to be really good if he plays. It's just a matter of how much will they throw the ball, how productive will that offense be, will they get scoring opportunities, and kind of we can project the target share between those three receivers, but we don't really know for sure, and you're kind of going to be calling your shots on one of these receivers and hoping you get it right.
0: Yeah, I think – I mean, he's he's going to be the – this is all assuming Michael Thomas even plays. He hasn't played in two years, so I'm not convinced he's going to, but he'll be the one. I think Olave will still be the two. Jarvis hurts him. I don't know really how much it hurts him. I still think there's going to be a pretty good – pretty decent passing pie in New Orleans. Jameis – has been known to sling the ball around a lot so
1: they'll Granted, be fine it, it was in the Bruce Arians offense that he slung the ball around a little bit the one that got, Tom Brady was setting career highs in last year at 40,000 yeah. years old yeah
0: we don't know what this new coaching staff's going to do either
1: we don't and they they have a defensive head coach and you know traditionally that means that they'll run the ball and play defense but also, Alvin good. Kamara has a, has some question marks around him as well, so we don't e- we don't know Which exactly I think if, what this offense to like. Like if Alvin like. Kamara
0: misses time, that's probably good for this passing game.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And I mean, even when he does play too, it's not like Alvin Kamara is going to get 300 carries in a year. Right. He's not built right. for that.
1: No. He he is the passing back and in that sense he would steal work away from the receivers especially like Jarvis Landry to me and maybe this is just because of the quarterbacks he's played with he feels like a 20 yards and in technician where he's not going to stretch the field a ton but he's just a he's got very clean routes but it's kind of the closer to the line of scrimmage he's going to operate in that area uh so yeah. You know, Alvin Kamara for me would probably steal some of that from Landry if he's playing all 17 games.
0: And he's never really been dominant. He's had some. He's had some good years. I mean, he was number wide receiver six in PPR, wide receiver eight in PPR back in 2015, 2017. Well, yeah, he's been good. He's been top 20 for most of his career. Past two years have right. not been good. I don't know if you want to attribute that to Baker or maybe other things in his offense. hes I, I mean, he's declined some, I think. But, yeah, I mean, there's still value with Jarvis
1: Landry. Yeah, for sure. He could be a potential dart throw just kind of depending on how the offense filters out. Or maybe he's just kind of the same as what he was the past couple of years where he's good, but it just is not great for fantasy. Remains <clears throat> to be seen
0: not putting a ton of stock in Jarvis Landry though
1: Your hometown Falcons traded for wide receiver, I guess the shell of wide receiver Brian Edwards from the Raiders. They traded we a We had to. <laughs> you needed someone. Uh you traded a 5th round pick just for need, Edwards and a seventh. We just need bodies at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you're along with this next piece of news. You're Wide receiver depth chart is currently Drake London, Auden Tate, Brian Edwards, Geronimo Allison, who was just signed, and I don't Olamide even know who Geronimo is, Allison is uh Neither does anyone else. I know we I know he
0: signed him, and I know he's a wide receiver, but I don't know who he is.
1: You know, I remember Aaron Rodgers throwing him about three balls a couple years ago, but that's about it. Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison.
0: He's twenty-eight years old. Hey, when he was in Green Bay, he had a year where he finished as a wide receiver, eighty-nine in PPR. That's his best season. Sheesh. So big things are coming from Geronimo Allison. Well, yeah, I mean he's he's uh, he's, he's killing It's us. literally he's just a body to have someone else on the field. You we can't we can't run out London Tate and Zacchaeus as our wide receivers. Like, you gotta have somebody.
1: Right. Is Brian Edwards worth anything in fantasy?
0: Very late pick.
1: Like I'm talking <laughs> like last two rounds kind of thing. If you do a three round rookie draft, would you trade a late third for Brian Edwards? No. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> he is he, he is he he's is a
0: waivers only pick. And that's like a desperation. I have an empty slot on my roster somewhere. Yep, that's about how but, I feel I mean, about it. It adds the Falcons' wide receiver room is tall right now, very tall. Yep, Kyle Pitts six six. Drake London is six five. I'm Tate. How tall is Tate? Is he 6'5 too? Pretty sure he's he's huge. I don't know. I've never seen him on a football field. I'm pretty sure he's a big guy. Brian Edwards is the shortest guy out of all those, and he's six three, so <laughs> there's there is height. And we needed yeah. some because Zacchaeus is a wee little man. <laughs> had to had to have that something jo- there.
1: That just that joke writes itself. It does. Uh you over the Zacchaeus.
0: You, you expect me not to say this?
1: <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I I expect nothing less. I grew up in Sunday school. <laughs> Over the weekend, uh, Denver Broncos receiver Jerry Judy was arrested and then released. He was charged with a misdemeanor. Don't really know what all happened in that situation, but it looks like it's not going to impact his football season. This is, this is how you repay me, Jerry. You were very scared for about I talk I talk so hours.
0: much about Jerry Judy on this show. I've talked him up so much and talked down Cortland Sutton so much. And this is the thanks I get. That's basically it. Yeah. He
1: said, all right, screw you, Ben Watts. This is for you. What did it, What did he even do? I don't know. It was something about he um, locked something in someone's car or like, uh, I honest to goodness don't know. I really don't know. It was some kind of I know there was some dispute. charge of
0: like a assault or whatever but then in court they like he said he never touched the
1: woman yeah was proven like he never apparently touched her. apparently not a whole lot happened um and it was news because all his dynasty managers were terrified instantly because they saw he got arrested i mean
0: there's there's bigger things that have gone on legally like if anything happens to him like there's no way you can punish him and not do something about Alvin Kamara and not do something about Deshaun Watson. Everything they did is far worse than whatever Jerry Judy did. So I'm not super worried about it.
1: So we're going to we'll see. I s I don't think I don't think it really uh affects his fantasy stock a ton, to be no, honest with
0: you. It's the same. I don't I don't see him get suspended. If he does, that means Deshaun Watson is missing a lot of time, and so is Alvin Kamara.
1: Right. So, we're going to hop into our general thoughts, I guess, about the dynasty format before Before we get into some of the questions.
0: So, you can kind of see how we think.
1: Right. So, all right, Ben, you're going into a startup dynasty draft. There's a bunch of different ways to approach this. Obviously, draft strategies aside, there's about a thousand ways to skin that cat. But just in general, with your startup drafts, are you going to take – I know there's several running backs in like the mid-rounds that are available this year that will be good for this year but have serious question marks for the future. Are you trying to bet on youth in your dynasty leagues – or do you kind of try and win now and then sell off players and rebuild through rookie drafts? How do you tend to go about
0: this that? This is going into a start out startup draft, correct? Correct. Cause I kind of it sort of depends. Me just in general, I tend to lean the youth. I would rather kinda of go the route of productive struggle to where I kinda of wanna suck for a year. But my team is super young, let them develop, give me a good pick, and we slowly get better that way. But so much of it depends on what happens in the draft when you're going, like, you have to be able to adjust. So while, yes, that's ideally, like, I want to take the young players, if it just sort of falls to me, depending on where I pick and who goes ahead of me is going to decide how I end up going. Like, if I'm picking late, in the first round and you know a lot of the young guys I was looking at are gone I'm going to end up going with the veterans who still have a lot of value and building a win now team
1: right yeah I tend to I think I tend to try and create a roster that will win um but it it does it depends on the way the draft board falls a bit but I tend to value production over potential in my dynasty startups.
0: And a lot of it also goes into who you're playing with. Cause if I'm playing in a league with a bunch of people, I don't know. I don't really have a guarantee that league is even going to last that long. So Fair. yeah, I'm going to go ahead, win a championship in two years. This league may not even be a thing. Right. So, so yeah, we're, we're give trying me the championship to dominate. Now. Right. But if I'm in a league with a lot of my friends, Yeah, if I'm staring down, let's say hypothetically, I don't know. Cooper Cup at the back end of the first or CD Lamb. I'm probably going to go with CD Lamb. Interesting. Just because I I tend to lean the youth, but I don't know. It's tough. A lot of it depends on in the moment making those
1: live adjustments. Right. And that's <clears throat> that's a lot of what this is. Is you're just making adjustments the entire time. You, these, can't, uh, you can't you can't really drafts. go
0: into a draft like, all right, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this, because that plan is going to get messed up. The guy you're targeting, you're gonna miss him. Like you're right. gonna miss a lot of your targets. So you're gonna have to change it.
1: Unless you so, have
0: the 101, that's the only player
1: you can guarantee. Right. So with all that in mind, we have some question and answers from you all on Instagram. By the way, if uh, you want to connect with us there, you can follow us at Fantasy Brothers underscore. But all these questions are from the Instagram account and starting it off from... Uh, I cannot pronounce this username. Anyway... Someone asks, would you rather have Cam Akers or Michael Pittman? Mm. And that is tough. <laughs> that is a I will tough one. That is tough. We
0: just had uh, a uh, a big argument about Michael Pittman.
1: Yep. And I do think I've come around a bit to him, but I'm still like I still need to see it a little bit with Michael Pittman. But Cam Akers also has the same issue. <laughs> like I gotta where, see him too. I got to see it a little bit. Um, And both of them theoretically are in situations where they should produce. Cam Akers is on an amazing offense that provided a lot of production to running backs last year, but also provided a lot of production to wide receivers. Like, it was just an amazing offense. You got to expect some of that might taper off just a little bit. But still, amazing offense. Touchdown opportunities galore. Michael Pittman has Matt Ryan, who pretty much year in and year out provides wide receiver one production to someone. So I don't know where, where would you lean uh, on your team between cam Akers and Michael Pittman?
0: I it's, it's tough. Like if I had Michael Pittman, I don't think I would trade him straight up for cam Akers. but the same way if I had cam Akers, I don't think I would trade him straight up for Michael Pittman either. Right. They're very, very equal in value to in my eyes. I think Michael Pittman probably is a little bit more of a sure thing, quote-unquote, because we've, we've seen him get better every single season, and he just got an upgraded quarterback with not a ton of target competition that I'm really worried about hurting him that much. So yeah. I think he's a locked and loaded wide receiver too – with wide receiver one upside, yeah. Cam Akers, on the other hand, there's the running back. The rookie contract is so so important, and it's these. There's not many of these young running backs that you just love. Once you get past, obviously, your Jonathan Taylor, your Najee, Brees Hall, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams. After that, it's kind of slim pickings on this guy, so Cam Akers has a legit shot, and we're talking dynasty, so, like, next three to four years, Cam Akers could be that guy, and he's on a great offense. I'm I'm starting to warm up a little bit. I was – I've always been – you know, he's has the potential, but when, obviously when we did our rankings debate show, I was a lot lower on him. I think I'm moving him up a little bit because just of how last season went, he shouldn't have played at all. He should not have been on the field. It's a miracle he was on the field. He's obviously extremely talented. I know it didn't look great, but it looked like he still had a lot of his burst and acceleration and quickness that we liked going into the league, and he's going to have a full offseason to recover assuming like he doesn't get injured again with another injury or I don't know, he maybe blows the same Achilles, but assuming nothing like that happens, he's going to be the RB one for the Rams. Right. And that's a valuable position.
1: Yeah. I think you would break this down a little bit in terms of competing, rebuilding. Um, But again, I don't even know if that's the right way to go about it. I think you just call your shot because both of these guys could be amazing but they also have a little bit of room to where they could disappoint you a little bit. So, I'm just going I to think, lay it out there I and call Cam my I think Cam Akers
0: shot. is more likely to disappoint you. However, he's probably got the higher, I guess, league-winning ceiling, Yeah, I guess. Because I you're wh- wh- where you're going to get him in drafts, I see him a lot of times going the fifth round of startup drafts. And if you... Yeah. Grab a twenty-two-year-old RB one in the fifth round, like that is that's league winning, obviously. Like that breaks the league.
1: Yes. Um, But on the flip side, Michael Michael Pittman Pittman is is much safer. Right. He's he's a potential twenty-four-year-old wide receiver one. I would slightly lean Michael Pittman here, and I feel like that would probably surprise you. Um, A little bit. Yeah, I would slightly lean Michael Pittman. All that said, but that is tough. That is a really difficult.
0: Both of these guys are very, very equal, even in value. I think.
1: Yeah, it may pick honestly which, come down to your you like. PPR. Yeah, it may come down to the PPR that you're playing in. If it's full, I might go Pittman. If it's half, I may lean Acres. But I slight, I I think I would slightly lean Pittman.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. That's. But we're, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yell at you if you prefer Acres. You take no. who you believe in.
1: Question number two comes from friscoff three three three, and he asks, "David Montgomery or Saquon Barkley?" Ooh, that's another. That's another close one. See that 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 is one that I wouldn't think would be close, but then you get to thinking about it, and it, it is, is close. <laughs> I
0: through years past, have been a big David Montgomery hater. I just never really liked him, but I am starting to come around and like David Montgomery more.
1: That being said, I think i got to go Saquon. I would also slightly lean Saquon, but I do think it's it's a little bit difficult uh, because of the context surrounding these players. Saquon Barkley, I still feel like, has the potential to be a top-five fantasy running back. And he's got true three-down workload. But also, David Montgomery has true three-down workload. And they are two of the handful of running backs that will get full, you know, absurd workload in the NFL. Uh, And they're both coming up on a contract year. so Week to week, I think,
0: at least for this season, I think Monty might be maybe a little safer, quote-unquote, but yes. I would still state Saquon because I think Saquon's the more talented guy, and he's got the bigger ceiling.
1: Yeah, Saquon has the ability... to blow the to, roof off of a game. Right. He has the ability to just explode, go nuclear, go for 30 fantasy points. David Montgomery doesn't feel like that. Both offenses aren't great, but I do think that both backs will be pretty solid for fantasy, and I do think... I think David Montgomery is a little bit safer. Saquon is going to fluctuate a bit more, but Saquon could win you a week, and I don't know that David Montgomery can do that. But if Montgomery or Barkley are in your flex, you're doing really, really good. If they're your running back two, I think you're still doing pretty good. Yeah. If they're your running back one, I would have some concerns. I would not want them as my RB1, but I do think they're good players and should be good, especially in redraft. For Dynasty, it's obviously a little bit more difficult. Um, but I do think they're both pretty similar.
0: They're both futures too, or a little bit up in the air, but both of them are going to get contracts. I don't know where yet, but that gives them, I know that rookie contract is so important, but still once they sign that new contract, you still can count on a running back for, I'm going to say, at least two more years. So you're yeah. looking at potentially three more years from from these guys.
1: Yeah. Next question is, how do you value picks versus established players? And I think I can just briefly dive into this. Um, It depends on your team makeup. So in one of our dynasty leagues, I've had to kind of face this question myself and figure out, All right. what do I want this team to be and how do I want to construct it? So, I have a contending roster. And normally, when I'm a contender, I kind of am like the Rams front office when I say, F them picks. And I ship out my firsts to rosters in the league that aren't as great. They're trying to build a little bit. And I try and acquire their more established players in pursuit of a championship. So, when I'm contending... I say, I'll get picks later. I'm going to run it back for a championship and uh, see what I can turn these picks into for right now. If I am in more of a rebuild, I'm trying to sell off players that have value to contending teams and acquire picks because it's more dart throws at potential studs and I want to stockpile younger players so that I can open up a championship window in a year or two. Um, so, I do think that the picks versus players sort of thing just kind of comes down to your roster makeup. You know, if you've got a roster that isn't super good, that you might have one or two really good players that have value. Like, I saw a roster in a fantasy group the other day, and it was garbage, save for Pat Mahomes and Austin Eckler. And in a Superflex League, obviously, you want to keep Patrick Mahomes, but you know, in a Patrick Mahomes will fetch you three, four first round picks in a Superflex, and Austin Eckler should get you two. And if you can turn those picks into quality players in, say, a 2023 draft, you can replenish that entire roster. Say you get a B. John Robinson, a Bryce Young, a C.J. Stroud all of a sudden you've got a lot of potential where you can reopen that championship window that was closed for you because the rest of your team stunk outside of two players. So I don't know how you feel about it, but that's kind of how I would approach the picks versus players argument.
0: Yeah, I have I have mixed feelings on it because picks picks really never lose their value kind of thing. That is something that once you acquire a draft pick, it only goes up in value. Because once the rookie season hits, once like there start to be names put with those picks instantly, like even if it's bad players, like in a bad draft class, they're going, there's going to be hype with them and people are going to want those picks. So, however, as much as I like and I love rookie draft season, it's a ton of fun, but there comes a time, like a balance too, where Smart dynasty players, like I'm, and these are guys who are really good. Some of them never have a first round pick. Like, there's a guy, one of our leagues, he's won like three or four championships. He almost never has a first round pick. Yeah. He always uses that and he goes and he's able to, he's really good at trading. He's good at all this stuff. Like, he's not ripping people off, but he just knows how to use those picks to get himself established player, and he stays contending every year with those picks. So, yes, I value picks a lot, but if you know how to use them trade-wise, you know, a lot of people never have one, and that's okay. And they contend for the championship every year.
1: Yep. If you're a really good manager, you can navigate your pick situation like i know uh pick fever will hit you and it's hit both of us like every year about this time you and i both get to a point where we start seeing draft classes we start seeing the names involved and we start to you know hey what can i turn xyz player into in terms of future capital um can i acquire 2023 draft picks
0: can i i think i recently had a bad case of that you did (laughs) like i have a absolutely did like i like tumble brag but i have a very 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 strong roster in this one league and i I just won the championship last year it's very young so it has a bright future and i just started looking at the 2023 class i'm like gosh i just i want the potential of some of those guys and i had to kind of talk myself off a ledge i'm like i can't trade the young studs like i had Like, I have Javante Williams in that league, and I can't. I think somebody offered two 2023 firsts for Javante, which is, I mean, that's honestly probably pretty good value. But at the same time, he is a top five dynasty running back. And he he had a good season last year that should only improve this coming year. And my roster is a contender. So as much as the the pretty shiny draft class next year looks you have to understand that is still a year away a lot can change in that year sometimes it's not always greener on the other side
1: yeah i i would second that and you know picks are a shot in the dark they are an investment in a volatile stock potentially whereas established players you generally know what you're going to get but also with established players, you may not hit a ceiling that you might hit with picks. So it kind it of just depends on... Go ahead. It, I mean, it, it really just depends on like what, what are you trying to do with your current roster? Does acquiring picks <clears throat> fit the model that you're trying to approach? Or does getting pick fever kind of like... Do you basically just want to avoid the spot when you're trading just to trade where... Hey, I want all these picks because of the potential I can get with them. But if you're just like selling guys off when you don't need to be selling guys off for picks, like there's a point at which it it can be too much.
0: And uh, I think a lot I, I'm guilty of this too. Of you look at somebody's team and you're like, this person should be really bad. I want to go and somehow get there first next year. And that's a mistake I make a lot. Is you can't you can't just assume they're gonna have a high pick next year. You right. have to assume, always assume late, mid to late at best.
1: Yeah, I mean, to give an, a real life example here, in in one of our leagues, there was a roster that, honest, like it just wasn't great. One guy in our league, he he finished last uh, the previous year, didn't have a great roster, but he had uh, Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry carried him to the playoffs with. You know he had Cordell Patterson off of waivers. He had Mike Williams off of waivers, and he picked so up so much Matt can Stafford. change
0: in during the season. So
1: much can change. Right. He got really lucky with some of those waiver additions, and his team. Which honestly, you look at it, it's not great. But he just kind of pressed all the right buttons. His team ended up in the playoffs, and you know second. now, yeah, he finished second in the league, and like he made it to the championship which is just ridiculous cuz his team wasn't that good but he just pressed all the right buttons and flipped the entire makeup of his roster in a year um, so like things can happen you may target a guy cuz you think his pick is going to be high and it may not end up being that high
0: don't be don't be stupid like me no, take the guy that you know what you're getting take the veteran yeah.
1: <laughs> next question on here from Cameron Good he asks, would you rather have Darnell Mooney or Gabriel Davis for Dynasty?
0: Um,
1: Mooney. Really?
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think
1: I'm taking Mooney. I would take Gabe Davis here. Really? Yeah, the way I look at it is it's not maybe a super analytical approach, um, and I think Mooney will get much more work than Gabriel Davis, as in more targets, and he's in a he's in a good situation just because he's going to get volume fed, where he might legitimately get 160 targets, and so I guess in that sense, for 2022, he probably will be better than Gabriel Davis. Um, yeah. But I think that's I
0: think that's one of the main reasons I was thinking Mooney is still young, but he's who else is going to get targets? There's going to be so many targets going to
1: Darnell Mooney this year. Yeah, but. In the spirit of it being a dynasty-themed episode, I'm looking at the long view of things. And Gabe Davis, to me, is the number two pass-catching option on the league's most prolific passing offense. And Darnell Mooney is the number one option on potentially a bottom five passing offense. Obviously, Mooney will get volume, but Gabe Davis will get efficiency, and it looks like he's also going to get sufficient volume to be good. I think Mooney's better in 2022, but I think that Gabe Davis, probably over the course of a career, is in a better position to succeed.
0: I'd agree with that. Although... Oh, yeah. That's probably fair. I mean, Mooney Mooney's going to get a ton of volume this year. Gabe Davis is more than likely never going to be the one at least until Diggs leaves. And that's assuming they're going to add more talent too. But the Bears also probably going to have a pretty high draft pick. They have a glaring need at receiver. And next year is supposed to be a pretty good receiver draft class. So they're going to add somebody. Right.
1: Yeah, so I guess split that how you will. For redraft, I'd probably go Mooney. For Dynasty, I might slightly lean Davis. But, you know, I don't think I would fault anybody going either which way on that one. I think
0: you could, I would take Mooney this year and then flip him for Gabe Davis plus
1: something next year. There you go. Big Ball of Fantasy asks us, uh, returning to David Montgomery, what are our thoughts on him Probably should have talked about this earlier,
0: but it's okay. Probably should have.
1: Uh, We mentioned that he's coming up on a contract year. He's about to hop on that second contract somewhere. Um, it just remains to be seen whether or not that's going to be in Chicago or somewhere else, and that can be a bit scary when you're considering you know what the potential somewhere else's are because, you know, in football the grass is not always greener. In fact, free agents are not super productive all the time. Like, you know, Kenny Galladay was a really solid player with Matt Stafford in Detroit. He goes to New, uh, New York, gets paid a bag, and sucks. So, there's always that to kind of bake in there but I don't know David Montgomery long term where are you sitting on him right now Ben
0: I I still like him he's 24 years old he'll be 25 by the start of the season but I think even if he gets I don't know where if it could, it could be Chicago wherever but wherever he gets the contract he's still got at least three three solid years left because he'll be he'll be good this year just because of the volume he's going to get he's the only best runner. I'm not worried about Khalil Herbert or any of those guys because they got a lot of hype once Montgomery got hurt and they did well. But when Montgomery came back, he just immediately took over his dominant role again. So yeah, that's not a concern to me. And then he'll get a new, he will get a contract somewhere. He has earned it. And then I must say at least two more years on that contract. So I'm locking Dave Montgomery in three years, three solid years.
1: Yeah, and he's shown that he can be a three-down player. Like, he – okay, he feels similar to Josh Jacobs to me, but I think he's a little bit better than Jacobs is. How do you feel about that?
0: Uh, they're probably about the same. Jacobs is in a better probably offense, similar. so he will be more efficient. I, yeah.
1: They're on the same playing field to me. So Montgomery – was not amazing as a rusher last year. Granted, had a terrible offensive line. The year before that, though, he feasted. One. Right. The year before that, he was four point three a carry. That's pretty good. He had uh, sixty-eight targets in twenty twenty. You'll take that. He had fifty-one last year, in just thirteen games. Um, he gets passing work. He scores. You know, he'll give you seven, eight, nine, ten touchdowns a year. You can work with that. Um, he's a volume guy. He is he is what you want in fantasy football. He's the James Robinson where he's, he might be on a bad team, but he's going to get workload, and I do think he'll get paid somewhere, and he's probably still an RB2, and depending on the situation, could, could jump into that RB1 conversation, but it, it kind of depends on the team around him more than it yeah. does his talent.
0: I don't know if he ever jumps into the RB1 conversation, but he is very good. Like, he's... You, I would be happy with him as your my RB2 just because safety. He's not going to take the top off of a game. I don't think he ever will be that player, but he is going to be solid. I can count yep. on him.
1: Chef Dalla asks, Will Chris Olave be this year's Jalen Waddle?" My simple answer before you break it down, Ben, is a big fat in capital letters, no.
0: It's going be, be so harsh on him
1: just yet. I... I cannot let's, see okay. Let's let's talk about this first. All right. Jalen Waddle last year. Let's let's break it down by what actually happened. Okay, so okay, Jaylen okay. Waddle. Before
0: you before you start throwing some numbers around,
1: he's not gonna do that. No. <laughs> he's not gonna be top fifteen <laughs> or anything like that. No, but I think that's what we're trying to figure out here is can he be top 15? Like, is there a possibility where what Jalen Waddle just did is something that Chris Olave does? It's not
0: likely, but it's also not outside of realm of possibility there. Obviously Michael Thomas should be the one, but there's no guarantee. Michael Thomas even plays there's even if he does, there's a lot of targets open in new Orleans. I think at the addition of Jarvis Landry will at least probably help the efficiency of the offense. And, I mean, they traded. They traded a lot to get a go get Olave, so they're not going to do that and just not use him. He's very fast. He has a lot of str- field stretching ability, but he's a fantastic route runner too. Okay. The dude knows how to get open. So will he be Jalen Waddle type of um, good? Probably not. But I don't think he's. I, I've kind of the more I've started looking into it, started to really warm up to. Olave and the Saints' offense—it's not going to be as bad as I initially thought either.
1: So Jalen Waddle, yeah, okay. Simple of it is, no, he's not going to be Jalen Waddle. Can he be good? Can he have a good career? Sure. Um, but I—I I don't see Jalen Waddle in his realm of possibilities. Waddle had 140 targets last year, set the rookie record for receptions, and it's like that. J- Jalen Waddell last year is not what Jalen Waddell is. Like, Waddle was a possession volume guy. And before he made it into the NFL, his comparison was Tyreek Hill light in that he can take the top off a of defense. He's a deep threat. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. Like, he's a weapon. And last year he was awesome, but he did it in a way that was not like what we expected him to do. And he, he showed a side of him as a player that we didn't really see coming in. So Jalen yeah. Wald to me feels like the complete package as a receiver. Obviously, Tyreek Hill showing up in Miami kind of put a hamper on things, but he was a top 12 at minimum dynasty wide receiver prior to Tyreek Hill showing up. Oh, he's Chris Olave.
0: Top six dynasty.
1: Yeah, he he was juicy. <laughs> Chris Olave is not that to me. I mean, he could be a good player. I don't think he's a bad player. Uh, but I, I, I don't see Jalen Waddle in his realm of possibility. What did Jalen Waddle finish as last year? He was the wide receiver 21 and a half, and, or in standard, sorry. And he was wide receiver 13 in PPR.
0: I would say I thought he had to be high. He had 100 catches. No, Chris Olave will not catch 100 passes this year. (laughs) That can no. I would bet a lot of money that would not happen. But I don't think a top 24 season is outside the realm of the possibility either.
1: That I mean, that could happen. There are things that could break right for him where he could finish top 24. Um, He would need a couple breaks for that to happen. Jarvis Landry showing up doesn't make that any easier. But, you know, I I see him as good, not great for fantasy. And I see Jalen Waddell as obviously Hill is there. But, you know, last year it was the potential of, oh, this might be one of those guys that just exploded. And he he could be a cornerstone player for your dynasty roster. Yeah, that's fair. One last question, and then uh, we'll wrap things up. We've got, would you rather have Javante Williams or Brees Hall on your dynasty team? Obviously, you want both, but if you've got to pick just one, who are you taking?
0: Yes, I will take both. This is kind of one, (laughs) we got into it um, the other day in one of our leagues, kind of talking about it. I was trying to trade Javante for Brees and something. And it did not work, but anyway, I, th- I think I would prefer Javante. I don't know about you,
1: but I'm taking Javante every time. I would slightly prefer Javante. Um, the thing with Reese Hall is that, like, coming into the NFL, I'm, I'm trying to frame it to where... You know, we haven't seen Brees Hall play in the NFL. We've seen Javante. We've we've had eyes on him in a Broncos jersey. We've seen him with a full workout. We like we know what Javante is as an NFL player. We don't know what Brees Hall is yet as an NFL player. Um, so I'm trying to I, frame this as what were they coming into the NFL and like how do they stack up against one another? And I feel like they their prospect profiles are similar. Right.
0: It's very close. I was extremely high. On Javante last offseason coming into the NFL. Yeah. I think Brees Hall, Brees Hall's faster than Javante. But if you watch their tapes, Javante is a much smoother athlete. Brees, I don't know how to how to quote his. He almost he looks like he's falling sometimes when he's running. <laughs> and Javante is just kind of glides and he. Yeah. You cannot tackle this man. The the run he had against the Ravens, you remember early in the year
1: where yeah, he just that was carried stupid. the
0: entire defense? Yeah. Javante is their, their talent profiles are very similar. Pass catching, I think they're both probably pretty equal. Javante showed he's a very good pass catcher. He had 53 targets last year, 43 receptions. Brees, I mean, we're not sure yet, but he was a very good pass catcher in college, so probably the same. I think Melvin is probably worse for Javante than Michael Carter is for Brees. Yeah, for sure. Michael Carter will hurt Brees some. Not a lot, but it will be some. Yep. And we saw Javante be extremely efficient last year. He had 900 yards rushing and four touchdowns and 300 yards receiving and three touchdowns. And that was in a 50-50 split. Yep. He was running back 17 PPR. He had 1,200 total yards and seven touchdowns in a 50-50 split with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. He's now upgrading massively to Russell Wilson. I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think uh, Melvin Gordon will still get a good amount of workload. He still has a lot of value. But I think Javante will separate a little bit. He will get... More volume than Melvin is just because he's younger, and at this point in their career, he is better than Melvin. Yes, so and if he was able that. to do that in a 50 50 split with Drew Lockett, quarterback, he's going to be a fair amount better with Russell Wilson, and he's getting a slight majority over Melvin Gordon.
1: Yeah, so pulling up, and my we don't rankings, know what Brees Hall is yet. We don't, we don't know for he's, sure. He's in he is. a
0: very He's in a Jets offense that we see the potential, like they're locked and loaded to take a step forward. Zach Wilson can take a step forward. They have Garrett Wilson. They have Elijah Moore. But it all sort of depends on Zach Wilson a little bit. We don't know what he is. And there's also a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. Yeah. Which the same argument can be made about Denver, but I trust Russ way more than I trust Zach Wilson.
1: Yes. Yeah. All those things are true. Um but, you know, who are you going to take in 2022? My rankings say they are incredibly even. I've got Brees Hall at 12 and Javante at 13. And I might even be a little bit high on Javante against consensus. I don't, I, I feel like he goes in that 15 to 18 range. I think 13 uh, is a good backs. ranking for Javante. Yeah. So with the Michael Carter Thorne and Brees Hall side, I have him as an RB1 with the Melvin. Uh, Gordon Thorne in Javante's side, I him at 13. Javante's in a better offense than Brees is, but also running backs are a little bit... like The offense isn't as crucial in running backs as it is in receivers, per se, because running backs can make it up with workload. But when you're splitting hairs like we are right now with these two guys, I think you default to the better offense. And I do think that Denver's offense is lots better right now than the Jets' offense. But the Jets' offense obviously has lots of room to improve, and it looks like it has a bright future. Yeah, so I do think that this time next year, we're looking at Javante and Brees Hall both as top five dynasty running backs. Um, We just haven't yet seen it with Brees Hall. We don't know for sure what he is, but I think he's going to be really, really good for fantasy. And I don't think that you necessarily lose – by taking him over Javante. And if you can get Brees plus something for Javante, I think you should do it.
0: I'll be impressed. I was trying to get Javante plus something or uh, Brees plus something for Javante. So if you can get Javante plus something for Brees, that's great.
1: Oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think if you can add something onto either one of them, you're pretty stoked about it. So, it just, it depends. It's going to be one of those where you find the guy in your league that has an opinion either way and see if you can manipulate it to help your team out. But, you know, you know your league. You know how guys value players in your league. Ask around. Um, not everybody's going to have consensus views of everything.
0: Yeah. And whichever one you get, you're very happy. You're doing, yes. you're doing great if you have either one yeah. of these guys.
1: Yeah. That'll do it for this episode of the Fantasy Brothers podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review, uh, a rating where you can do that. It means a ton to us. Helps the show get in other people's ear holes, which we appreciate. Uh, share it with your friends if you enjoyed it. They might not, but we appreciate it. But yeah, we, we appreciate it. That'll do it for us. We'll see you uh, later this week when we're... What, what are we doing what are we doing later this week Ben you know that is that is a great question let's let's look at, at the schedule we're doing some trades
0: yes send us some trades we'll post it on Instagram we'll post it on Twitter I want to see trades you guys have pulled out
1: yeah it'll be it'll be a fun you time. guys show us up that'll do it we'll see you later this week goodbye peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at Fantasy Brothers underscore or on Twitter at FantasyBros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash Fantasy Brothers.